Hi, this is Jeff Brown, and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archives. Podcast daring to go over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way all the way right through to the current day. We, of course, are recapping Whaler's Way Season 1 still. We have covered a lot of episodes. We've talked to basically everyone from one tribe that we can. That, of course, is Kadena. But there is another tribe in Australian Survivor Season 1. The Blue Tribe. A tribe that did win just a little bit more than Kadena. And given that we haven't really seen many episodes where many of them have been voted out, we haven't really had a chance to talk to them until now. Because we, of course, covered an episode quite some time ago where our guest today got voted out, but uh, we weren't able to find him at the time. But thanks to the detective work of a certain co-host of mine who doesn't give up, he's, he's a man with a mission, and once he gets that mission, he's like, Tom Cruise, it's not impossible for him, he's going to find it. We have finally got this guy on the show today, and with my introduction out of the way, I will say my name is Ben Waterworth, and I'm going to hand it over to my bloodhound Tom Cruise himself, Mr. Matt Dyson. Oh, look at that. It's like we trained to do that. That was a bit awkward, but hey, we got there in the end. Hi, Ben. Hi, listeners. You're absolutely right. We have a very, 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 very special guest today. Uh, He is the hardest person I've ever had to try to track down. He was unfortunately the first member of Tapara that was voted out. He lasted 12 days, but this bloke, he's done a lot in his life. He's done it all. He's he's not only got to play the game of Survivor that uh, we all love, but uh, he's, he's won medals. He's won a British Empire medal for gallantry. There's there's not much in his life this bloke hasn't done. And, of course, I speak of the the one, the only, Mr. Jeff Brown. Jeff, it's great to have you here on the show. Thank you. It's really fantastic to be here, guys. It's it's thrilling to be here because, you know, to have you on the show because, as I said in, in my little rant there, you know, we've we've only just talked to Kadena members. You know, I mean, we we get it. They suck. They lost. Boo hoo. Get over it. Now we're going to get into the winners, right, Jeff? I mean, this is this is what we've all been waiting for on this podcast. Look, Kadena was boring anyway, so you haven't lost a lot. You only really needed to worry about Tapara. Yeah, so yeah. You've got it right right from the start. This is going to be a great interview because you're you're right, Ben. You said it right from the start. We've we've covered. So much of Kadena, but there's a lot we don't know about Tapara. So to have Jeff here today um, to, to find out stories that we've never heard before, it, it's pretty big because it, you know, although Jeff, you you didn't make, you know, the merge, you know, you're a big part of that tribe. It was a, a very winning tribe, and of course, uh, lasting 12 days is a great effort as well. But um, you know, we got <laughs> you were the oldest member of the uh, the cast too when uh, when you played. How how was that? Just going into a show like that where You've got all these 20-year-olds, but uh, you were 52 at the time. 
52, but reasonably fit. Um, I used to jog every day and swim maybe once a week, go to the gym maybe twice a week. So I used to do stuff. Um, but going in, I probably only got in because of my age. I mean, the, the, I, I think I'm, I was a starter because they wanted a, a couple of token oldies, uh, and, and so I got in. Um, and and <laughs> yeah, whatever. Here we go. <laughs> well, what drew you into applying? What kind of led you into, uh, I guess, putting in that audition tape to go on the show? Well, I was in. I was working in East Timor. I was a policeman, as, as you guys and viewers probably know. I was a policeman, and uh, I was sent to East Timor, the peacekeeping force, just after after the uh, election. Uh, and, and it was pretty tough times. And the only thing I listened to on TV was Survivor. Uh, yeah, it was Survivor. So uh, I kind of got hooked on Survivor. What with the hatch and oh, it was good that first Survivor. So after I got hooked on it, or some time after, I heard they were looking for contestants for for this one for Australian Survivor. I thought, Whoa, wow, this is I like playing games, and here's a game where someone sets it up for me and cleans up after me. Um, the only thing I didn't get was the coffee in between it. Um, I thought, so let's play this game. And uh, so I said to the kids, I'm going to have a go at this. Jenny, you guys want to have a go at it? Well, why? Why would we want to have a go at it? I said, I know a fair bit about this kind of thing. I said, that's what Dad's good at, is working out what people want and don't want. And, and and I said, we, we tracked down, see who the producer is, see what kind of a person they are. And I did all that. Found out he was a person who wanted people to tell stories, to tell tales. So, so when we select someone here, we want someone, a storyteller, because that's what the producer wants. So, okay, let's give him one. And the kids said, oh, Dad, come on. <laughs> more, more or less said, Dad, it's off. But <laughs> I'll be kind to them. I'll be kind. And so I said to my wife, that, Particular buggers, so I probably could get them on, you know. I said, "Let's okay." I'm gonna get myself on. So I left it and left it and left it. And about a day before applications closed, we decided I'd apply. Wow! And and uh, and that was in itself interesting. So how do you apply? I mean, I've, I've got all this stuff. Anyway. You have to do a vi little video of yourself. But I know when you do a video of yourself, if it's not really exciting, it's going in the bin. So if I hop on this video and say, G'day, guys, uh, my name's Jeff. I, I want to go on Survivor. <laughs> You're going in the bin. You're boring. <laughs> if That's I where Matt's went. Naked, <laughs> <laughs> it did. <laughs> you run across the camera, across the screen naked, in the bin. Yep. Especially in my case. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you've got to give them something. So, I went out in the garden shed late one night, and my wife's there with the camera, and we had a little secret production going there. And uh, what I did, I was in my police uniform, and I had a torch, and I was shining it round and round the shed real fast. And so the person looking down the lens, or anyone looking at this video, they were going to say, flash, 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 as the lens hit them. 
and and I was yelling out, "Who's afraid of the dark? Who's afraid of the dark?" <laughs> and then I hit the camera on and got it with the torch. And all you're going to see now is silver fuzziness because the lights playing havoc with the camera. And I said, "Yeah, I'm afraid of the dark." You wouldn't think it, would you? Australia's highest decorated policeman for gallantry. Yeah, I'm afraid of the dark. I said, turn that thing off. And I pointed, of course, at the camera. Turn that thing off and go and come inside where there's some light. That was bugging it on a bit. Yes, I am afraid of the dark, but not that much, okay? <laughs> I was going to ask you that. I was going to say, are you actually afraid of the dark? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll talk to you about that later, if you like, but cause I have been asked that question right through the process. It was really interesting, actually. <laughs> Anyway, yep. I was just going to say, Jeff, that that audition tape, it, it is an absolute credit to you because that line you just said about, yeah, I'm afraid of the dark, like even like leading up to doing us doing this podcast, I hadn't watched your season for at least 15 years. Um, but it's the one thing that always stood out for me. I always remembered that little snippet of your audition tape where you're in your uniform, you're in the dark, <laughs> there's a little light shining up on your head, and you're like, yeah, that's right, I'm afraid of the dark. Like, it's just something I never forgot, so I can clearly see why you got picked to go on the show. <laughs> yeah, so after that, um, we went inside, and I know now I've got your attention, but I haven't got your attention forever, you meaning the producer. I've only got your attention whenever I'm still interested. So I need to get something in powerful and get you to want to watch the next. I've got you this far. I've got you looking at who's afraid of the dark. I've got you this far. I now want to go to the next step. So when we come inside, I'm, I'm right this minute when I'm doing this interview, I'm, I'm actually in my study, but I was in the lounge where I've got a really comprehensive library and I had books all behind me and it was quite a formal kind of atmosphere. So I moved into there. And so if you went out of the dark, into that, but you you were still interesting. Just all the colour, the books, the things. It was a very busy background, and I think that was necessary. And, it's, and, then, and so I started it out because there's a boring bit you've got to get out of the way on this tape, and that's who you are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I said, okay, I know, and, and and I bugged it on a bit, like, oh, oh yeah, I'm afraid of the darkness. <laughs> oh, now, now I'm, in, I'm inside. <laughs> we got the lights on. Didn't matter that my wife was out there; she would have saved me. Now, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. oh, I've got to tell her one of the I've got to tell her my name and, and, and that stuff. So, yeah, my name's Jeff Brown, and I live in Florida in Canberra. Uh, okay, okay. Then I've got to tell you a little bit about me. Okay, well, I, I was I come off a farm actually. I've been a policeman forever, and so I now had you wanting to the next little bit. So I have to be conscious of the fact to give you a little bit, to give you a little bit, to give you a little bit, the drip feed. And so obviously worked, and I got a phone call. And the phone call was kind of a bit of an interviewee thing because I believe this game starts the moment you put your application in. Absolutely. Um, so so I, I come home and I said to my wife, I'm on, but I'm not going. So I've got nothing to prove anymore. <laughs> did you say, did you tell them no? Did you say no? Yep, yeah, I did say no. Wow. And I, and my wife said, Dale, they'll be very disappointed. <laughs> well, that should be. 
It should be disappointed. I should say sorry, even. <laughs> so how did they talk you around? How did you end up on there? Did they just keep pestering you until a I'll be game? honest and say I actually wanted to go on, but they didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so if I made a dickhead of myself, well, it's all their fault. They made me go on. I did it for them. So wow. I can blame them. So, so I, am, I am, in fact, afraid of the dark. That, that's real. Um, not as afraid as I am of heights, but that's another problem. That, that's crazy to think that, I mean, they clearly wanted you enough that if you kind of, you know, dig them around a little bit, you know, like, oh, no, no, I don't want to go on, that they kept pushing it. Because, I mean, that could have backfired. They could have gone, okay, and then just hung up on you and then gone on to, you know, contestant reserve number one. Yeah, well, it was interesting. We, we, you go through questionnaires and things, as you guys know, and, uh, you know, things like who's your hero and why. Well, I don't have heroes. I'm so full of myself, I'm my own hero. <laughs> uh, I, I you, need to, you have to talk it up. I love it. I love it, Jeff. I love it. <laughs> so I don't have heroes. So, and if I did have, would it be Hitler? No. <laughs> right? Because who achieved more than him in the last century? Well, no you know, yeah, that's that's a valid point. So, you know, it depends sort of, on you know, sort of grey grey area there, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you are right. He he set out to achieve a goal, and he he got quite far with that goal, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he would have got on Survivor. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not with certain types of religions, but hey, uh, you know, uh, it would have been interesting. But I mean, like as you kind of said, I mean, the game is sort of on from the moment you put that that tape in so i mean did you just continue to have fun with that the the further and further you got and then when you eventually got that call saying jeff you're one of the 16 people i mean was that you said before like yeah you know i i do want to go on but this has been fun i mean at that point are you just thinking wow this is great here i am i'm going to be on this show this is all working it's working a treat i i conned myself i think Uh, i think uh, (laughs) i thought i was better than i am i think and i i think i conned myself a little bit to go on, and, and every day I got a little bit more excited about it. I started to get caught up in the moment and, and go with the flow. And and so I kind of, next thing I know, it's kind of too late to back out. Oh, it's probably never too late, but, um, but I thought I kind of can't back out now. I've, I've committed myself to my wife, the kids, myself, other people, friends. I don't want everyone to think I'm a dickhead. Uh, well, a big dickhead, I should say. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it started. And next thing I know, I'm in the, the hotel room in Sydney. I don't know what my first name was, but I had a cover of uh, Kamani, my first, and I was uh, um, a producer. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, Jeff, as a fellow police officer, I know when any time that uh, you apply or, or get on a reality show, it's not as easy for us as being in law enforcement just to just for the producers say, okay, you're on the show, and then you go on the show. We have to – I know I had to get prior approval. So for me, when I got on, it was that was only the beginning of the battle. I then had to convince my bosses to let me on the show. Did you have that same issue, obviously, at the time you were a superintendent in police? It's a massive problem. You're right. Uh, you can do nothing if you're a policeman. 
Um, how, did, how did I get over that? <laughs> this is a little known story. <laughs> I just I was officer in charge of police communications, and so I was the person that approved rec leave. I approved the rec leave, including my own. <laughs> <laughs> So I applied, <laughs> and I look at my desk, oh, I'm going on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to wow. do a sign here. That and easy. I thought, if I sign here, it's approved. <laughs> Who else has to review it? Nobody. <laughs> well, this is easy. So I signed it and sent it off. Wow. No and one questioned it? Did anyone question it? Were there There's not no one to levels? question <laughs> no, there's a, a junior clerk processes it. Yeah. Who I would have sacked if they didn't push it through. <laughs> so a junior clerk processes it, and so that happened. And then I, I, I thought I sat down and analysed it. Oh, now, because I'm big on having a fallback position as well. So now I've got the time, and I had the holidays, so now I'm on rec leave. And so my backup was if they said, hey, what's going on here? You can't do this. Well, well, wait a minute. Why can't I do this? You let people play games. I see people playing snooker. You, you don't have a problem with that. So why have you got me playing, having a problem with me playing these games? They're just fun reality games. Just because you're not interested in these kind of games doesn't mean I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. So I had backup, but wasn't necessary. No one pulled me on. They all trusted me. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so what was the reaction then when you, you get back to work and they and then all of a sudden the ads are coming up? Or oh, um, well, that was another thing, and because it was a busy time. Yeah, you, you have a lot to do just when that's come up, and and I once I was at work and one of the guys who worked for me looked up at the TV screen, said, Brownie, was that you? <laughs> he was me running across the screen. Wow. I said, I'll be stuffed. I said, didn't that look like me? <laughs> <laughs> He's still denying it. Still denying. It's my twin brother. <laughs> yeah. I decided to deny as long as I could, just in case. And there wasn't a just in case. It turned out I didn't need it. But I had one and all the backups, plan Bs, the just-in-cases, I want to really cover myself because I'm, I'm going to do this. So I'm on. Now, on the day, the, the, the first night screening, I'm running down. I had something to do. I was running down a hallway in uh, police headquarters in Canberra, and the chief police officer was there. I nearly knocked him over when I came running around the bend. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like him anyway. <laughs> um, he said to me, what's, what's up with you? What's your problem? And short of telling me to go and get stuffed, don't talk to me like that, be more respectful. Short of that, I, I said, oh, I said, I've got a lot on my bloody plate. I said, I've got to lift a couple of big heavy lo uh, logs tonight. Because the first challenge was yeah. to carry some logs. I've got to lift some heavy bloody logs tonight. I said, I can't stop here. Brilliant. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. I'm trying to actually think because I love hearing these stories, and it's it's interesting as well. 
to hear this as a non-police officer, kind of like obviously what you guys would have to go through. Are you the only two police officers to have ever played Australian Survivor? I think you might be. I, I don't know, Matt, if no. I'm missing anyone. Yeah, uh, Hannah. Hannah from uh, the two years ago. Right. So, okay, there's three in the history. Well, there you go. I mean, that, it's because it's the thing I find with any sort of, I guess, emergency service workers in Survivor and using the US version to compare it a lot to is that they Ooh. don't have a lot of success, but I feel they should because it's a profession where a lot of things I think that you can use in, in those elements. I mean, Jeff, for you, not just the fact that you were a police officer, you had obviously a distinguished career in, in many other, you know, areas as well. I mean, were you thinking that was going to be an advantage for you in Survivor? I actually thought it was going to get me voted off early. You're a bit authoritarian. Yeah. Uh, just my whole life is, is upholding the status quo as a policeman. Uh, and, you know, so you've got this authority, you're this authority figure. And you can't help but let a little bit of that come out. But I always say that no one can hold a pretense for longer than 20 minutes. And so if I'm interviewing someone, they, they're going to they give a sim signal. So I like, I like to sit an offender and, a, and a, a, a victim in the same room. Now, you'd never do that. But if you did something like that and watch, within 20 minutes you're going to see signs between them. You're going to read into it whether he is a co-offender, he isn't a co-offender, or whatever. You're going to see something. Um, well, that's how it is on the game. You let your guard down. Uh, they see it. They don't. Some people don't like police. Some people have so much respect for police that they want to that that you worry them because other might, others might have the same amount of respect. So that does become a bit of an issue. But I. I <laughs> I thought I had the perfect plan to, to counteract that and to, and to move beyond that because I, I felt that I only needed one tribal council and and then and I was consolidated because I didn't get that one tribal, tribal council. The one thing that I'd actually be intrigued, I know you and Matt have sort of talked a little bit in the last week or so. I'm sure he's brought you up to speed on sort of his season and everything, but... We love to rib into Matt a little bit because, of course, on his season, they have the little background videos where you kind of see them out in the field doing their thing. Matt's out there with his speed gun, you know, pointing, pulling people over. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm an arsehole because I'm a traffic cop. I would have loved to have seen that weirdly in your version, Jeff, to kind of seeing you basically approving leave for yourself and, you know, bumping into, you know, big, big police officers and uh, get stuffed. I don't like you. <laughs> well, look. I've, I've been a police union official for 25 years. You can't touch a police union official. Uh, they've got all the protection in the world, uh, legal protection, and, and, and police would go ballistic if you tried to have a go at their union official, especially the kind of policeman I was. Um, I was quite verbal, quite... With an earlier policeman, I don't mind saying who it is, but it's Macaulay from Northern Territory. Um, him and I clashed, and, and uh, I, I used to call him a dickhead to his face and on the media. Uh, and and I, was, I used to go to Parliament and tell members of Parliament he was a dickhead. 
then why don't you get rid of him? Uh, so, so, so that gave me some protection. That union background gave me protection. Um, and you, you couldn't really touch me. I, I don't know where I was leading with that, but it doesn't matter. No, I just like hearing you say calling people dickheads, Jeff. I think this needs to be... I, I'm expecting you to call many of your tribe mates this episode a dickhead based on what you're telling me right now. <laughs> yes, I think I called all of them. Good. <laughs> what time are and, and Ben, I concur with Jeff. I, I, you, you, you can't mess with the union official, so I can, I can back Jeff up there. But Jeff, it's, it's such, it's so interesting to hear you talk about um, how it isn't easy going on to a reality show, especially like Survivor, as a, a law enforcement officer, because you, you nailed it on the head. Um, I did the same thing. Yes, there's advantages as far as we know what to look for in, in changes of mood, um, facial expressions, things like that. That's easy. It's easy. Well, I think it's easier for us to know when someone's lying to us. But you're 100% right. It's not easy for us to just go on to a show and we're no longer that police officer. It's, it's yeah. inner, especially when, like, I've been in the job 12 years now. You're, you were a long-serving police officer by then. That doesn't just change overnight. You can't just flick that switch and become a normal civilian. It doesn't work like that. And, and I don't think, unless you are you are in are a police officer going on to a show like Survivor, you can't fully understand how hard that is, that transition. Yeah, and you know, like I, I watched your show as I've watched every show. In fact, those shelves behind me, down the bottom on, on the floor, I've got about uh, 300 yeah, 300 episodes of Survivor. Wow. <laughs> um, you might have some people contacting and, you for those. Uh, there's a few people who want to see those, I think. Yeah, uh, I'd say more than 300. But anyway, I'll give them to me by presents. The kids used to give them to me, so the, the kids are quite proud of it. It was funny, they've never seen that ad that you sent me. No. <laughs> oh, we're... Jeff, don't worry. We'll, we'll be talking about the organic harvest ad. Uh, don't worry about that. If you get thirsty, Jeff, make sure you drink some of that organic harvest. Right? I mean, we, we usually like to plug Solo on this show, but for some, today... Where do you get some decent water around here? <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't lost any of your touch 18 years later. It's like, I'm sure they're going to be on the phone right now after this interview to get you back. But, you know, talk about police. Let me just say, you were ripped off. Well, I'm glad you were, because I, I was too, so... Yeah. <laughs> you better than me. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. records for the three cops on Australian Survivor. Well, you know, hey. it's harder for a police person to lie. Yeah. So that's another problem. I can't lie. I can't sit there, look you in the eye and, and blatantly lie to you. You expect something more from me than that. And, and so that's another problem I've got. I, I can't lie. And... And, and you don't get into huddles with people and and, and you, you, you don't necessarily trust anybody. So there's hundreds of reasons why a police person will struggle. Um, and But then at the same time, an old policeman and a young contestant together teaming up can go a long way because people get confused by the marriage which is, I guess, you see that a bit on the US Survivor with um, with Tony and, and Sarah kind of uh, on, on their season, sort of the, the two cops working that way. I mean, I'm just thinking of um, radio hosts and journalists on Australian Survivor. I mean, Karen's basically my only, uh, you know, point there, isn't she? Uh, <laughs> no. <what laughs> how did she go? The, 
you had uh, Deborah, who's a producer or something. True, yep, yep, she, yep, that's right. Uh, and I, I don't know if Rob had done any of his documentaries at that point. I, I don't know if he did that after Survivor. He, he had. He had. I wish he broke his leg doing them, but anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, he had done He had done some. Oh, he promised me the world. Little did he know I hate, hate Hawthorne football club he said Jeff just became my best friend that's the correct answer on this show I don't care who else you go for in the AFL as long as you hate Hawthorne that's the correct answer (laughs) I just realised Ben I just realised Ben so in in Australian Survivor history like we said before like you mentioned there's been three police officers play but Jeff and I were both voted out first out of our tribes and of course Hannah she lasted a lot longer but didn't get a very good edit at all and we didn't see any of that side of her. So I think Australian Survivor, they're still yet to see a police officer go far and get that sort of edit showing that part of their profession. Well, just on that quickly, I think, I mean, it took a while in US Survivor, let's not forget, for us to really get someone. Because, I mean, a lot of the time they sold the military kind of person. Uh, They often didn't last that long. I mean, we had Ken on Thailand, who was MYPD, and that was not long after 9-11. So that was kind of more of that hero sort of side of thing. But, I mean, you had to get to Tony in season 28 until we got a, you know, a fully fledged in-your-face cop like that. And even Bianca, remember Bianca... um from the first Channel Ten season, she was a she wasn't a police officer, but she was a, a private investigator. I don't oh know no, that she, that's something. Yeah, Kylie, inve- wrong one. Kylie, yeah, yeah. But Bianca was a private investigator, and she was voted out second. So it's yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's interesting. I don't know whether that's just coincidence or not, but oh, uh, just I mean, kind of changing tangents a little bit here, Jeff. When you eventually got got out there, you were ready to go. This is a question we love asking everyone. The, the location. Uh, I mean, were you thinking that you're going to be on a tropical island somewhere or what were you thinking where you were going and you ended up in bloody South Australia? I thought I'd be somewhere warm at least. <laughs> I, I used to go to bed, if you could call it that. The starting point, we had the worst accommodation of any survivor, a piece of tarp that would fit, say, seven people under it. Seven, isn't that strategic? Seven, not eight. (laughs) So you had to shove and buy. uh, And and because I snore, in case you didn't know. Do you? Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) You can hear it here here from Port Lincoln. (laughs) It's still going. I think it's reverberating around the whole town 18 years later, let's be honest. (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll ask Jane in a couple of weeks. I'm sure she might be able to tell us if he snored or not. Jack, Jane's still having nightmares about Jeff snoring. <laughs> yeah, ask Lance. Lance, Lance, the unit you didn't really Lance, and ask him. He he slept outside one night in front of the fire because he couldn't sleep with my snoring. Wow. So I realised it was a problem, so I went out and got big piles of wood and put there, so he had wood to keep warm all night to try and keep him on side so that he didn't want to vote me up. Didn't you work. didn't think about Probably sleeping separately. Sleep. You said, bugger them all, I'm still sleeping in there. But if for the ones who don't like me, have some wood to keep warm. Yeah, and yeah. You know the other thing I found out? People say, oh, God, sleeping all, next to all those young chicks. No. That young... Skinny little chicks don't hold the body warmth. 
you need a big fat contestants and you sleep next to them because they have all the body warmth. <laughs> I'd be good then in Survivor. This is where they need to cast me. Come on, people would like me. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but Lance... Lance, yes, but uh, Jane, there's more issues between Jane and I than that. I wouldn't feed her. I, I, she was a, a rice thief and was used to the just by eating the rice she was sleeping in my view, she wasn't entitled to any of it. Well, well that leads into a good question, actually. What, what was your thoughts of your whole, well, not only the whole cast, but your seven other Tapara members? When On day one, when you, when you saw them all, did you think to yourself, I'm going to go a long way here? Did you think that they were people you could work with? What, what were your thoughts on them? Uh, okay. Well, see, Rob, Rob won it. I hated Rob. He was, he was up himself. I have zero time for him. Hated him in the game. Hated him after the game. And I'm, I'm sorry that he was killed in a car accident. But, but I'm not a hypocrite. I've got to say, it doesn't mean I now like him. I didn't like him. There's nothing for me to like about him. And I still don't like him. And then you, then you had Shona, who I really liked. Shona and I kept the tribe running while I was there. We lit the fire. We had fire on day one. Yeah. Shannon and I got it going because they gave us a compass and they forgot that there's a little magnifying glass on the bottom of it. So we used that to start a fire. So we had to fire. Uh, so when that first challenge didn't work and we all got food and fire, that that, that was an advantage for the baby shit yellow team. Kalina <coughs> got fire when they shouldn't have got it. They shouldn't have earned it the same as we did. Um... And then who do you have next? You had Rob. Rob and I, it's interesting, he did. He voted for me. He, he apologised after the show was over for voting, voting me off. <coughs> um, we actually got on really well. And I like the guy, even though he's in jail now for something, maybe attempt murder or something. Um, I don't visit him. I'm not that good a friend, but I do like the guy, nevertheless. And then Katie. Katie was the best contestant on Survivor anywhere in the world, she should have probably won it. Uh, and I liked her, I liked the whole way she played it. Shannon and I become really close friends, we haven't kept in touch, but we've become very close friends. And then, uh, then there was two young beauty queens in my tribe. We had uh, Jane, who, who sat on her ass all the time, didn't know how to cook rice. Um, and, and why she was kept, she drove the vehicle that got us voted off. Uh, she did nothing. She was a liability. She was useless. I don't know why she was there. Uh, and then Sophie, Sophie and I got on pretty well. She voted for me. That doesn't matter if you vote for me or not, but, but there I say it. I thought she was a bit of a bimbo. So my whole team was really decent people in it. Uh, yeah, look, Lance, Lance was nature's gentleman and you couldn't help but like him. Um, and Rob, well, an attempt murderer, yeah, still a nice guy. Oh, that, uh, was, jo- that was, yeah, Joel, uh, I uh, think. Uh, Joel. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was Joel. Sorry. Sorry, no, sorry, just, sorry. It's, it's interesting what you're saying, though, about Rob at the beginning of that because... I mean, I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit more on, on kind of that because it's sort of not 
something that's I think ever been brought up on this show, somebody disliking Rob. I mean, was this an immediate thing when you met him? Did it take a while for you to realise that, hey, I actually don't like this guy? I don't know how long it took, but I right from the start I saw that he didn't want a high profile. His game, I saw his gameplay was a low profile. Um, he did no work. I mean, did no work. Jane didn't either because her reason was she's a bimbo. Rob did no work because that was his game. And he was playing the game and, and I thought, get off your ass and come and help with the rest of us. Also, he was the leader of the, of the faction that got me voted off, so I suppose that doesn't endear us either. Um, but he uh, was a sarcastic person. He wasn't a friendly person. Would I like to sit down and, and have a beer with him? No, I wouldn't. I'd find him totally uninteresting. Um, so he kind of had nothing to offer me. And and at my age, even back then, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit older now. You, you don't have to do your sums, but I'm, I'm 71. Um, but back, back then, um, I was a bit intolerant of bimbos and fools. And I thought Rob fitted both of those very nicely. Could you tell early on, you you mentioned about he obviously led the faction to, to vote you out and clearly Tapara very well known for sort of the the alliance that, you know, eventually won the game. But did you know that early? Could you tell that there was something going on in that tribe early on? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I knew I was in trouble. Um, Shona told me I was in trouble. She said, I'm trying to get Rob to change, Jeff, she said. Rob and I have got an alliance. I huh? had not seen that. She said, I'm trying to get Rob to change the game. She said, at the moment, she said, I think you're in trouble. I knew I couldn't go to Jane because I'd made it very clear what I thought of her. Um, I went to, uh, so I, I went to Katie in case of the yeah, Jeff, um, I won't vote for you. Okay, so that's good. So I've got, one, two, myself, three. I only probably needed one more because anyone could beat Jane in a sudden death because she couldn't light fire. She couldn't light fire if she had a box of matches. Um, so anyway, um, I, I thought I, I thought I had um, on side Joel. Jo- Joel. Yeah, cause you you mentioned you mentioned before that Joel that you liked him even though he he voted for you. You obviously mm. had some sort of relationship with Joel. We you know we actually met in the lift in Sydney during the auditions, and by by coincidence, my son-in-law used to manage the hotel where the auditions were held in. <clears throat> so I met there, and uh, said good day, and we shook hands. Not that was the first start of the game, of course. Um, and and I thought I was pretty sure. I thought I had him stronger than Katie. I thought Katie could could change, but it turns out she was quite strong, and she didn't. Uh, so Katie and Shona, and I was very confident I had Rob. And I actually thought I had a chance of having Sophie, because I thought Sophie wanted to win. I didn't think she wanted to be there just to have a holiday on a beach in cold southern part of Australia. Uh, it turns out that's all she was. She was there for the holiday. Um, 
yeah, so as a group, yeah, I didn't want to be there with them. Yeah, sure, there's a couple of exceptions, but by and large, I didn't want to be there with that particular group of people. Yeah, I wouldn't take them home to meet my wife. So, so you did you kind of have that feeling that if you guys were to lose, that your name would be on the chopping block? Yeah, I had the feeling, um, and I had Rob trying to avoid eye contact. So, yeah, it was pretty obvious. Um, and and my starting point was older contestants always go. And they always go early. And so what can I do to change that? And I, but, but it's not just changing that. I had to look at the, my game plan, what happens after that? Because that was more important than the first part. It would have been hard too because the three votes prior to you leaving, the three Kadena votes, were the three eldest members of that tribe. You had Lucinda, Tim and David Haas. So... They were the three oldest, and that left only five players in their twenties for Kadena. So you must have you must have been nervous that once Tapara went to tribal, well, the three oldest have already gone for Kadena, so you're clearly the oldest member for Tapara. So that that would have been pretty nervous. Yeah, because you go to you go to uh, challenges and you see who's not there. Yeah, and you think, okay, so obviously it's we vote the old people out, <laughs> older people. But yeah, I was in the throes of turning that to an advantage, of course, but I needed to get over that one tribal council. And, and then I, I felt I could turn, being an older person, um, who's not a threat to anyone. Yeah. So I could turn that and and turn that to my advantage. That you don't need to worry about me, so get rid of these other people who are a threat, like Rob, and keep me. Uh, anyway... Which on the flip was, side, with the age factor, though, I mean, on Jane, uh, I mean, 18 years old, still the youngest contestant ever to play Australian Survivor, and her name was always a target on Tapara, always. So, I mean, she, you had two people voting with you that night, of course. You, you, she got three votes, and it, it really seemed that Joel was that person who ultimately flipped because we see Joel in the next episode kind of struggling with his decision. You, you see Rob talking to him just before Tribal, almost, you know, goading Joel to vote for you. So, I mean, it could have been very different. Go to a four-all tie, you and Jane, and either the oldest or the youngest mm. goes. So clearly age was a factor, both old and young. Sure. Age was definitely a factor. And I, I, I knew that I was in trouble way before that first vote. Um and, and and I started doing the numbers, but when I but I thought I had them, but then a couple flipped, and that was okay. I, I actually thought I I wasn't a draw. I actually thought I, I had it was the other way around five three my way. Um, but that it's not how it ended up. So Rob would have been your ideal target if you if I mean did you try and target Rob that night? But and, and why did you ultimately go for Jane that night? No, Rob wasn't my target. Um, Rob was a piece of shit, but he wasn't my target. Lance was my target, but I didn't vote for him. Lance worried me the most there. Lance was fit, strong, tough, rugged, nice, personable. Uh, yeah. And, and Lance and I were probably the two furthest apart. 
So he was never going to support me. But having said that, he was my target. He was the one that frightened me the most. I thought all of the others might come round, but Lance will never come round. He's firm. He's set in his way. Watch him. He, he's. I thought he. If it's not Katie winning this, it's going to be Lance. There was clearly tension between you and Rob. Do you think that something to do with that was the fact that he knew that you had kind of worked him out early, what his game plan was? Um, it could be because Rob wasn't a fool. It was far from that. Uh, it could be because Katie worked my game plan out. Um, and, and she said, I'm going to have to watch you. And I, I think she said that joking. But nevertheless, she was on to me. It's, it's incredibly fascinating to kind of hear this insight from you, Jeff, because I, I think the edit that you got, we didn't really see kind of this happening. And what I find it really fascinating is that we kind of have this other sort of player on Tapara, the the tribe that already has the players who are making alliances and that that we're seeing. I mean, let's play the what-if game here. Let's swap you and Tim around because, you know, similar similar ages, kind of that similar type of, of player. If you're on Kadena, you've now got a player who seems to actually know what an alliance is and what strategy is. Do you think, even though they kept bloody losing all the time, that you could have worked out better long-term being on Kadena if you're, saying the position of Tim? Definitely. Definitely. See, only Craig could beat me on Kadena. That's an interesting comment. My view is only Craig could beat me. He could beat me physically, the social game, Craig was good. Craig could have won it. When he come across, he should have been doing deals that with with the, who would I have picked first? I probably would have picked uh, Lance, and I would have gone to Lance and I would have said, "Can you uh, get, back me up here? Can you cover my backside?" And you're not going to win it. But you and I can start slowly snipping away and get rid of the power people here. We can get rid of Rob right now. And we could get once Rob's gone, then we look getting rid of whoever. And we if if Lance would have brought across with him, in my view, Jane and Sophie. Lance is a reasonably religious person. I don't hold that against him, I see that as a positive. But so is Jane, and I think they could have come over, in my view, they, they could have come over in, in a, this little religious lobby. Joel was reasonably religious as well. I think well, that's really interesting, you know, out of AM8, and, and so am I, to a certain extent, a religious person. I go to church every Sunday, I don't know what that makes me, but so there's a lot of religion happening here, and I would have built on that if I was Craig. I would have found out some other ways to start sl- nipping off. If, if he said to Shona, Shona, try and get the others just to nip off till we can get just enough. And if he had have lined up with whoever was left there, who was left, Naomi and... Karen? Oh, it doesn't matter. Karen, Karen. Karen. Yeah, so them, them plus Shona, 
could have got rid of one to para with a little tiny effort and turned the game around. That's my view. It wasn't the game I was going to play, but that could have happened. I had, I had a different game than I was playing, but and, and I and I wanted to. My strong point was no one wants to see someone else win the money. Human nature is we all want the money. So why do you need it more than me? And, and that's a fair question. So I, would, I see Tapara asking that question at council. And so I'd remind everyone this is going to be asked. So why could I sway it? Well, I was going to give an undertaking to give the majority of the money to children and children's charities. So all of a sudden now, wow. So he's not going to have it himself. So I don't mind giving him the money because he's going to give it to people less fortunate. Or he's not going to keep it all for himself. So if I vote for him to get the money, I'm kind of voting to help kids. So I'm doing a little bit to help kids, even though it's not me getting the money. So I, I think the game could have been totally different. Lance said to me somewhere, I don't even know where it was, I should, I, sh I should have not voted for you. I think I was honest enough to say to him, it doesn't matter, Lance, I would have voted for you anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so anyway, I would have played it different but with, with what I had to play with. It's like a couple of series ago in, in, with a Survivor when uh, that policeman from Queensland got... Uh, <laughs> yeah, he um, was a bit of a yeah. weed guy, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, but he he thought honesty was important. I know, right? He thought in, he thought integrity was important. What a dickhead thinking honest people with integrity are going to go places they're not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where they're going off the island. Yeah, yeah I don't know whatever happened to him either. Like he he was no, a bit of a knob. But, up, uh, you it's it's, it's interesting you fresh water and send them home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, it's interesting you mentioned the sort of the money and what you would do with it because. Early days of Survivor, that was a big thing. People talked up what people were going to do with the money. We already see in this season, you know, Katie at one point basically saying that, oh, Sophie doesn't need the money. She rides horses. She's clearly rich. I've got like 20 bucks in my bank account. And in US Survivor at the time, it was always a question every season. A jury member would ask the final two, what are you going to do with the money? And I think it was even Amber in Australian Outback admitted that she was, you know, the half the reason why she voted the way she did was because of what the person was going to do with the money. So that was a strategy back then, and clearly you were going to use that, that this mm. is how I'm going to spend the money should I win. Well, that, that was a strong point. If I, if I said you're going to pick up half a million dollars here, and with that money I'm going to go around the world. I'm going to do a river cruise through Europe and I'm going to buy a new car. All right, or the next person comes along and says, I'm giving it to children's charity. I'm helping kids of the homeless. <laughs> Where's that money going? It's coming to me. It's coming to the guy who's going to do that. Now, did I say I'm giving all of it away? Certainly the majority I would give away, but well, I would, that's the life I live anyway. I don't mind giving money to kids that are homeless or kids that are struggling. You, you, you always got to keep a little flash money. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I would give most of it 
the policeman here will read a lot into this. <laughs> I would give the most of it to children's charities. Most. 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 <laughs> it's 251000 well, let, let's be honest, though. You've got, enough, you've got enough coin in the bank from all your uh, endorsement deals of organic water in Canberra, though, so you'd be covered for the rest of it. Yes. Now, now, Jeff, I'd love to get your thoughts on that very first immunity challenge and then, of course, the subsequent true or false um, challenge that, that led after that. But uh, we'll get to that second challenge soon. But the, the, the first challenge itself, it's, a, it's always a big talking point about your season, especially on this podcast. We always bring it up. It's fascinating the fact that they showed it on TV, that it all went wrong. It kind of turned viewers off. But what was your memory of that that whole challenge? I think it it was the most spectacular challenge survivors ever had that didn't work. Mm. And... Right from the start, that was difficult. That was that was hard. That's the hardest thing I've done. I line up on a beach in some remote, stinking cold, windy, godforsaken hellhole. <laughs> and they've got a buff on this buff thing. I'm playing a game. I feel like an absolute goose. Cameras everywhere capturing me, dressed up with a buff on, playing the game with all these kids, because that's what they were. Nearly all of them were kids. So the compare says, compare, is that what he's called? Anyway. Mr. Howes, Lincoln, we can call him that, yeah. compare. Yep. Lincoln says, Lincoln man's crumpet. Says, Survivor's ready. And I felt like a bloody goose when I put my hand up and said, ready. You <laughs> 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 stupid old bastard, you should be home watching TV with slippers on. <laughs> if Lincoln couldn't do it, somebody at least could. <laughs> So we charge, charge out into the sea. Well, charge. An old guy like me waddled, okay? I waddled out <laughs> to the sea. So here I am charging across the sea. <laughs> Water was too cold. I couldn't go in. It was too cold. So look around. There's people everywhere. No, not getting this. So... Take a step forward. That's the goal. Back, back, back. So I clearly knew I couldn't do it. I clearly knew I couldn't go that water. The water, see the Antarctic Ridge comes down through there. The water's freezing, freezing. 12 degrees it was. 12 degrees. And they, and they want us to run out into it. So I had, had a last attempt. I knew it wasn't going to work. Went into a hole and a wave came over the top of me. Now I'm soaking wet. That was accidental. But all this me stuffing around, by then my team has gone out, got a log, dived down, because Katie could swim like a fish and hold a breath forever. Gone down, undone the log, like a telegraph pole, and brought it in. So I didn't have to go in the water anymore, I just had to put my hand under it and run back with them, as though I'd been there all the time. And we ran, we had to run across the sand, run across some boulders, up a little, it's only a two metre hole, uh, high, but up, up this little cliff, had to climb up it and give everyone a hand up, run along the top and put it across a, across a uh, gully with fire in. And then you had to do it all over again. 
And when you've done it, that should be where it stopped. Or we then have to go and light fire. That maybe shouldn't be where it stopped. If there was a smarter, or not smarter, that's, that's not fair, a producer with more skill in developing this kind of a game, these tactics, these things, it would have worked. They would have cut that a little bit shorter. Yeah. But you know the other thing, what you, you don't know, even researchers don't know this about that first challenge. They, where you have to stand on a platform to throw the spear at your fire, that was too far away for most people to get the spear in the fire. Do you know that I couldn't reach it? Wow. Wow. I could not reach it. I had three goes and I could not get the spear as far as the the, 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 the train or the, the teepee or whatever it was, the pile, the mound to light the fire. In our, I think, uh, Lance did it, Rob did it, and I think and I think occasionally Joel got it in, not often. On the other side, um, no female could do it on either tribe. No female could reach. Uh, Craig could, and... Sylvan, maybe? No, Sylvan couldn't reach his bloody ear to scratch it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm trying to think who else may, may have been... Uh... I think good enough. Tim to... didn't didn't Craig mention Tim? Don't know. Yeah. So the first spear that went in was actually Kadena's. Because they were quite a significant far in front, at least from how we've been described to it by uh, Craig Washington, and Naomi in the last Washington. few weeks. Yeah, yeah, two baby shit yellow team members. <laughs> they, they don't want to look like the dickheads that they were, so they're lying. <laughs> I, I couldn't reach. <laughs> I couldn't reach it, nor could they. So, so, so you're disputing um, their claims in recent weeks that they were a long way ahead of you. Uh, okay. When the logs were coming in out of the water, we were ahead. We, meaning God's team, to <laughs> We were ahead. When we're coming up the cliff face, they got Plan B. They got their their, their rotary motor going. That's when I joined in. <laughs> and help up now. I might not be able to go in the cold water, but I could help carry one into the log pretty easily. So we're ahead, coming out of the water. We're ahead getting up on the bank. We're ahead racing down the headland. So we're, we're never not ahead. Tapara is always ahead. So we come down, put the log down. Now... Something went wrong. Baby shit yellow started to catch us. When we put it down, we have to do all this again. We have to do it again. So, run around to do it again. I was too smart this time. I said, hey guys, you go and get it. When you're knocked up and you get back here, I'll give you a hand. <laughs> no, smart. you got to play smarter, not harder. <laughs> That's right. So, I go, man. I nearly did pull out in, earlier, incidentally. I made a decision to pull out. So you stick this game where it fits best, I'm going home. <laughs> and then I thought the whole world's going to see me quit. <laughs> no, yeah. they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> so I went. 
We're ahead all the way and on the throwing of the first spear. And the only reason we weren't, weren't in front then is they threw the first one that happened to be Craig and he got it in. We threw the first one and it was Rob and it didn't go in. It got there, but didn't go into where the fire was. But at this point, they were ahead all the time. And and so I was actually thankful when it was called off because we would have lost if they had brought in a little change there. We would have lost. Which leads you into the true or false uh, game the next day, Jeff. Now, you ultimately win that, but... Little Birdie may have told us that uh, there might have been a little bit of foul play from you guys in this challenge. Now, is is there something about being tapping or something like this? That Jane could get the correct answer. I mean, can you can you confirm this was a little thing happening with you he, guys? He's smiling, Ben. He's, he's smiling. What's what's that TV show? I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> This is like Naomi and Craig all over again. You, you, you know, silence is basically confirmation in our eyes. Let me just say, I have heard that whisper. Um, I didn't see it. But when I heard the whisper and I thought about it, these people were in the places that the rumour said they were. Hmm. So circumstantial evidence would tell me it's true. So who are these people, though? Who, who are the ones that we really need to get the truth from? Well, I, I would have said it was probably um, Joel. Right. Okay. And, but I think there was something happened between Joel before the message got to Jane. So there was a little sort of assembly line, mm. essentially. You see, after this happened and we won, won that first challenge. After after that, we never talked about it. We never talked about that this happened or didn't happen. But it's not something you can say, hey, guys, I actively cheated. Well, it's, it's a fine line. You... I think it's kind of, I mean, it's just a bit of fun to learn about it because I think Craig brought it up, the fact that you're technically not cheating because there's no rules, so therefore you're not breaking any rules. So is it really cheating? It's kind of a, a strategic way of winning. Interesting. I was going to actually move on and, and answer that a little bit similar to that, that it wouldn't have worried me if it's part of the game. I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to do it. I'm, I don't like to cheat, I don't like to do things sneakily, I don't like to be dishonest. But having said all that, I'm playing this game and I'm not not there for my health because already I've got pneumonia. <laughs> um, I'm there to win. And if I had to manipulate the rules a little bit, I would manipulate the rules. I wouldn't have a problem with that in that context. So... It could have changed the whole game if that was true, of course. Well, one thing that um, I think you, outside of your snoring, Jeff, that uh, a lot of people would remember, of course, is your uh, 
your very fun moments of getting very overexcited in challenges, doing a bit of the sledging over towards uh, baby shit yellow, as you call them. Now, the the, the wood chopping challenge, uh, you know, you go to para, go to para, come on, guys, you know, take your time. We get a, a series of confessionals from your baby shit yellow team uh, where you are called a complete jerk, basically a surprise that this is coming from someone who's a proud father. And then Naomi caps it all off by saying, I don't care who's against him at the end. If I'm voting for someone, he's not winning. Did it surprise you to see that they were taking this so personally? No, no, no one likes losing. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was a fact that they were losers. That was why they took it that way. <laughs> it was nothing to, nothing to do with morals, ethics, or anything else. And, and you know, I proved to the world that surging works. So, so they don't need to spend a fortune trying to work out whether sledging works or not. They just have to look at that episode, just one episode, and I'll see it works. It worked brilliantly. Even even people that shouldn't have got sucked in, like Craig. Craig got sucked in. Yeah, they come up to have... They didn't even know they are getting sucked in. They come up to have their chop, and I'd be there, and I'd say, no, not that side, the other side, the other side. <laughs> and the dickheads would go to the other side. Oh, wow, this works easy. So I'll try that again. Well... So I did again. And I bet they were so bloody embarrassed getting conned by this old guy saying, no, chop for the other side and taking the other side. He's even in the other team. He's not even in your team. Which this is and what I con- loved about con- though, They must Jeff. have felt like dickheads. Well, it was so much fun because it, it, it seemed like this constant thing from you guys that it was just a constant like goading of the other tribe. I mean, you'd come back to camp and you'd have Katie basically going like, yeah, we've got them right where we want them. Like, you know, let's just keep this going. And then you just kept building yeah. on that. And I loved the rivalry. Katie was mismotivated. Hmm. Katie, Katie would get you motivated. We're going into this challenge now. So here's what we're going to do. We have to have a drink of water first because water will give you some energy and keep us going. So we'd have a drink of water. And then we'd get around in the huddle. We'd talk about it. All right Now we'll, we'll find out what it's about. If we've got to stand someone out, who wants to stand out? We'd make all our decisions before, calm, calculated. And and so when we went into these challenges, we were ready for it. In fact, if you, if you have a look sometime in the handbook, um, it was not just in the handbook. You can you can find it in lots of places. The very first challenge, you'll see, you'll see the eight people from Kadena, uh, sorry, from Tapara going to uh, tribal council, and there's only two people smiling. That's me and Katie. I can't. I've got it. But I'll show it to none of them. There's a picture in there of six, eight people across the thing, and all we're all going to arm around each other as we're walking into battle. Like a dickhead, um, and and walking the battle, me and all the kids. <laughs> Which is actually, it's a funny point you mentioned that because when we were doing some of the recap episodes, we, we talked a bit about that. Matt wasn't the biggest fan of kind of you know you guys going in arm in arm, but was that a deliberate ploy to kind of go in there show that we are a tight group of people? Up yours, baby shit yellow team. We are going to kick your ass. Uh, we, we wanted, the, we had Rob was an athlete and he also knew that you, you play if you play for a team you're more enthused to play for the team you want to back you want to do everything to help them you're not just playing for yourself if you're playing for yourself you, you, you're not as wrapped up in it 
but when you're playing for someone else, you, you you're wrapped up in the moment. You want to you want to do something good for them as well. Uh, and and Rob knew how to motivate people for the team. Katie knew how to motivate individuals. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'd say she mostly would have played Katie. Mostly would have played um, single person sport, not. Not, uh, she was a, she was a triathlete. She was formerly netball, but then she transitioned across to triathlon. Right. Well, that, that figures. Because she, she would G us up individually and have us all going, ready to win, playing for ourselves, playing hard, getting G'd up for it. She was very good at motivating us. But then Rob was good too, as I said, motivating us for the team. Um, and, and, yeah, and that, and that worked. Which I think, I mean, this is going to be the fascinating to get your side of this because we've constantly asked Kadena members what went wrong. Why did you guys keep losing? From your perspective, why did you guys keep winning? Was it that camaraderie that you had these two professional athletes that helped you there? Were you just better? I mean, what was your perspective on why you guys kept winning? Um, good question. Do I pick? Do I pick a person? I don't. I don't think it's an individual. We. We. If. If it was an individual, I would pick Shona. Because we got fire early. Can you imagine how motivating that is? Getting fire within four hours of the game starting. That's the real motivator. And whilst I got the and we and we did it with Kangaroo Pool. Wow. And Shona and I worked out. Let me not try and take anything away from Shannon. I want to give Shannon most of the credit for it. But I'm happy to say I helped do this. And I said, hey, this kangaroo poo is not catching a light because it's a little bit too bulky. So we went and had a look and we found dried, old kangaroo poo. It was powder. So we were actually using it. Was, it was powdered grass. So we found that it would light really easy with a magnifying glass. Look, and it was burning. In fact, it burned your hand, but we didn't care because fire was more important than your hand, unless it was my hand. Then we would put this powdered kangaroo poo. Well, there was a fair bit of it because there was a lot of kangaroos down around there, which I had to catch one one day to eat, but they told us they protected. But so we got that. So we had fire. We we were motivated. Showed it. Worked her guts out cooking. Got badly burnt. I don't know if you know, but she got badly burnt when... when uh, she spilled the water on herself. Yeah. And we... It was interesting. I mean, I, I know the rules of, of Survivor pretty well. And she said to me, Jeff, if I go off for medical treatment, what happens? I said, then you're not a part of the team anymore. I said, if you go for it, then you don't drink water while you're there or have anything to eat and you come back. I said, if we all agree, you can come back on, back onto the team. I said, we have to all agree. I said, and I don't think you got the numbers to get everyone to agree. I said, the first chance they are used to get rid of you, they will. So, so we had Shona. The Shona image um, was was a factor. The end, a couple of interviewed individuals like Kate. Um, it certainly wasn't. Our camp, we had the worst campsite out of the two. Um, might have been that. Um, but the other, the other thing is, I think we were better fishermen 
Well, they're the worst fish in the world. If we didn't catch any, it probably would have been a good thing. But, but the fish were disgusting. And the first fish I've ever caught in my life was actually two. Threw the line in, there was two hooks on it. So I put a little bit of whelk, I think they call them, a little, a little sea creature. <laughs> Cut it with a, a bit of sharp rock. Put one on both hooks and got two fish. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Well, Beginner's luck. He, he, he must have read that same Bush Tucker Man book yeah. videos that Craig was. I, I wanna, Jeff, I want to touch back on the Shona injury. You made it clear there that it appears that your feelings were if she had to go get medical attention and would get fed and water, that you wouldn't think that was fair and that she would have to leave the game. So. I'd love to get your opinion then on David Haas, because as you would know, in Kadena, he got medical treatment and had to leave camp for a while and get medical treatment. So do you think he should have been allowed back on Kadena or that should have been him done? No, he, 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 that shouldn't have been it. He should have come back. But I have a different view there in that he shouldn't have to compete in the challenges. If you're sick, that's bad luck. You come and play the game or go home. And and he should have still had to play. And if he's sick and, and therefore performs poorly, well, then they lose. So someone's going to have a tribal council tonight, most probably him. Uh but he should not get a free run. I don't think in Survivor anyone should get a free run. If you get, if if you don't, you can't do something because you're an anemic little person, or you can't do something because you're sick or injured. There's no difference with all those. There's no difference. You, you can't perform. You can't uphold your end of the team of the challenge. So go home. Take well, your mates with you, preferably. Because he, he, he did sit out of the original immunity challenge, but then the next, day, the next day he was well enough to be involved in the true and false challenge. But from memory, Jane had to sit out that first original immunity challenge because David. So I didn't think that was fair. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, is that right, that Jane also had to No, she did, and, we, and we, we discussed this um, in that episode, I remember, Matt. Yeah, you, you at length said exactly what you just said then. Like, it, it's not fair and kind of, Jeff, as you pointed out there, like, at the, at the end of the day, well... David was sick. That that shouldn't be a burden on you guys. That they, they have to sit someone out because they're not well. Why why should you have to sit one person out at the same time? Mm. Uh, you, you're right, and and also you play the game according to your team's game plan, not the other team. So why should the other team dictate? Yeah, to us because they're got an injured player on their books. In, in any survivor, why should they say it has to be a male or a female that just stand out? No, it shouldn't. could be anyone you want. If the other team wants to stand out, someone, a male or a female or whatever, whoever, so be it. Well, it's in, 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 in AFL, I'm sure it's the same in rugby, in any team sport. Like, you know, if you've got too many injuries and you don't have enough people on the interchange bench, stiff shit, you, you, you're screwed. You've got you've got less rotation. So, you know, that, that that's should right. be the same in Survivor. That's right. So, so yes, yeah, so it does annoy me a little bit 
even with modern Survivor today, it still annoys me that that you can sit and watch, have a free ride, and then come back refreshed tomorrow for another challenge. The the night you voted out, you you mentioned before you sort of you knew your name was on the chopping block. Uh, you, you get that torch snuffed. I mean, it's it's obviously not a great feeling. I'm not going to sit here and expect you to say, oh, it was a fucking fantastic thing. I'm glad I got voted out. But, I mean, is, is it when that torch is snuffed, I mean, what what are you thinking at that point? Because uh, you obviously didn't achieve what you wanted to achieve out there. But, uh, I mean, you, you're obviously quite annoyed that you're going out fourth and not winning the game, clearly. Uh, you know, you're actually not totally right. I like I hearing those words sometimes. I hate being right all the time. It's a burden. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was wrong once, then I realised I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I, I think that I wasn't terribly unhappy about getting voted off so early. I was cold and miserable, pissed off and angry, lonely, wondering what's happening at home. Who won the election? I didn't know whether John Howard got voted back in or not. Because you guys were asking that. Know. That was like day one or day... It was only like a day after your first day of filming, yeah, wasn't it, the election? It, it was. It, it was. Was Leighton Hewitt the world number one? That's he a was. very good point. Yeah. I think he was. He would have been number one at that point too, into 2001. He that would have been. The, that was the day. That was the day he got it. There you go. So we, didn't have these, we didn't have these answers. We asked the producers and we tried to con them and the cameraman and the sound people, and they wouldn't talk to us. And we'd find ways, sneak it all ways, but it didn't work. So we had many attempts. And, you know, they didn't trust us so much. They didn't even have watches on, because we would... I, I actually made a clock out of stones uh, on the ground, and so we, we could tell the time as it turned out. Um, but... We didn't know this stuff. So I'm lonely, I'm missing home, missing my family. I'm with a bunch of dickheads, <laughs> both tribes by and large. <laughs> and I'm going to put up with this crap. These, someone who asks how to cook rice. Oh, give us a break. <laughs> she needed a good slapping. <laughs> oh, how do you cook rice? <laughs> and and we'll sit down one night and they have a bimbo come along and sits down. Next to me, says, What's for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> What's the fucking dinner? Whatever you fucking go and scab out of the fucking sea, you dumb bitch. <laughs> What's for dinner? You're joking, aren't you? What's for dinner? Oh, God, oh, my God I don't believe this. <laughs> What's for dinner? <laughs> wow. Um, yep. That, so, that, yeah, yep, I wasn't okay. unhappy. And then, and then just this little bit, because a lot of people will wonder. What happens when you get voted off? Let me just say, in, in, in our case, and they'll be the same, kind of same basic idea. Let's say, try this spoken, you know, piss off. Um, and then you walk over, we walked over a gangplank, but they're always a little bit different. You walk through the forest or somewhere, and out into the bush. In our case, we're walking through the sand dune. I was like, where's the fucking sea though? If I go the wrong way here, there's no one there to torture me to tell me. If I go the wrong way, I'm going to fall into the cliff because <laughs> I can hear the water roaring. 
we're on some historic, important place in, in Australia where there's a lot of shipwrecks and things. I could hear that happening. There's no one. Flash a light, somebody. Hello? <laughs> flash a light, somebody. No one flashed a light. And then when they eventually did realise, oh, we better, we better go and tell him because they're, they're too busy talking instead of worrying about old guys like me. So when they eventually did come and get me, they said, over here, ha! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see them coming in the dark. And then they put you in a car and drive away through the sand dunes. And in the car is a whole tray full of food from potato crisps, just snacks to keep me going until I got Lay's potato else. chips, I'm sure. Our, our good correct. friend from Lay's. Oh, correct. The only ones I, w- I would like because they're really, really good. They are. Lay's are great week. chips and a big shout-out to our good friends <laughs> at Lay's. I believe they've got a new flavour, sour cream and chives or onion or something like that. It's great. Oh, look, they're all good. Doesn't matter what flavour. <laughs> and, and then they take us back from there, back to a house where I stay the night. I had a shave first so I couldn't have handle the crap to, uh, um, and then then we had dinner but you got to be careful what you eat because you, your stomach's a bit ordinary so you can't just load up if you do you'll end up with gastric pains in the guts and... well we, we, we heard that in our in the Craig interview that uh, he, he got to eat some food on on his reward and then he basically had the shits <laughs> the next day yeah you know, we we, we didn't win any food on our rewards. We 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 only won challenges. For, yeah. You won the important you, you, ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff. I, Karen once. I'll never forget Karen. I've seen this only on TV. Karen, they won all the chocolate, and they're walking away all happy that they won chocolate. And we're the losers. And Karen said, "I oh, look at their face. Have a look at their face. Always losers." And I said to her next day. I said, we might be losers. I said, but the one that matters is today. And we didn't lose it, did we? (laughs) (laughs) I I did like that line from Karen when she's, yeah, when she's saying about, uh, she looks, there's a great shot in there. She sort of looks back and, yeah, calls you losers or whatever. Now, Jeff, I'll talk, we want to talk about your time in, in lockdown. But before I do that, there was another interesting thing that happened to you out there, that what was going on with your foot? It looked terrible. And you, you had that great line where you said, you don't care if it gets chopped off. You're going to keep playing. So, but it, it, what was going on? It looked feral. That's what happens when you run across sharp sandstone rocks without shoes on. Ouch! <laughs> was that, was that yeah. something that went on from like the, your whole time out on the show, and then afterwards, like it, it, it looked really bad. And I've always wondered, like, what was actually wrong with your foot? Just bruised. Just. Mm. Lots of little cuts, bruising, uh, using a foot that shouldn't have been used, should have, been, have ice on it and be put up on, on a lounge chair. <laughs> um, yeah, not as bad as it looked. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was just painful. It was painful because, as I said, I walked barefoot. But that was easier down on the sea when you're scabbing the fish meal or something out of the sea. You, uh, you'd, you'd regularly have no shoes on, um, and, and that was just hell down there. Every second day, 
you also made a little carving, and it was a, a little note to your family to say you were, you were missing them. Uh, oh, clearly, you were missing your family, but did you ever get to keep that after the show? Is that something mm. you can... I've given it to one of my kids. I think I've got yeah. I've got stuff over there. Uh, one of my kids, I think so. I've got my lamp in the back, for example. Great. In the back garden. Matt loves um, hearing your, uh, you know, who keeps what and kind of little souvenirs and that from the show. Yeah. I, um, I've got my T-shirt, one of the kids has got, my buff. There's a signed one. I thought I actually uh, didn't have it anymore because they've auctioned a lot of my stuff off for charity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and I actually had to bid on my own lamp. <laughs> and so you won. You got your own. You got your torch, did you? Yeah. You won it. Yeah. Fantastic. How much did you pay for it? Um, $125. Oh, not too bad. It's a bargain, if you ask me. I thought, I thought it was pretty cheap. And another thing, too, so, actually, hey. that you showed us, actually, just before we started this recording, is they, they had the, the poll on the 9MSN website, and you basically were the most popular contestant, essentially, in the first few episodes. Hmm. Interesting because I was actually quite obnoxious, so so it's interesting that <laughs> Australia clearly love that. <laughs> yeah, people love obnoxiousness. <laughs> um, the the I think some people feel sorry for the older contestants, uh, so I think that's a part of why I might have I, I might have rated so high. You just um, jumped on the website but, every Wednesday night, didn't you, and just went click 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 click. The, the truth is, yes. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry. I would do exactly the same thing if that was me. Trust well, me. Well, I had a choice. Watch it. You didn't just go click, click, click. You voted. You had to vote one to five. So somewhere in there. Uh, one was feed him to the sharks. <laughs> and five was... Something else. Drink a can of solo. So, so you had to vote. So, and then that balanced out, and the computer would work it all out and make a graph. And when I looked at it, just I was looking at the site, I voted for myself. I looked around, no one was watching to see me vote for myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, this is, this is pretty easy. Is there any advantage in? Voting being the highest popularity. I thought it could be, who knows? Well, I vote for myself again. <laughs> so I voted for myself three times. <laughs> and and, and did you, you didn't slip in one for Rob where you gave him a one? Yeah, of, of course. <laughs> I, I said I voted for myself three times. I didn't tell you about the 14 times I voted for him, <laughs> but I voted for him the one. So well, okay. a, lot, a lot of that could have been... I mean, one thing, though, that I think is... I actually, own up. I own up. I that's own good. Up. That's good. I mean, it also, too, like, one thing that I think would be important as well, coming from Canberra, representing Canberra, I, I know myself coming from Hobart, whenever, whenever we would have someone on reality TV... You know, Reggie, Big Brother, 2003, the whole state got behind her because, uh, you know, it was just such a big thing for a small state, small city like us, to have somebody represented on a big show. So, I mean, I'm sure 
Canberra was behind you. I mean, you were doing ads. You're the only one that we know bloody was on an ad. So, I mean, <laughs> was, was that like a, a big thing for you being in sort of a smaller city and having, I guess, the entire city or the, the entire territory behind you? Look, there are, there are pluses. Um, people in Canberra do support each other. Um, it's kind of city it is, the public service town where, where you kind of back up each other, support each other, help each other. And there's not much dog eat dog here, so yeah. Look, look, that was a, that was a plus. Uh, if there was another Canberra person on it, I would have actually formed an alliance with them. Automatic, it'd be a given. You, you just would expect that that would happen. Well, you, 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 and Karen, of course, from the Northern Territory. You're from kind of the the two ones there that are generally even more underrepresented by than Tasmania. And Matt, it's been a bloody long time since I've had a whinge about this, but just pointing it out, seven seasons of Australian Survivor, never been a Tasmania contestant. We're the only state or territory not represented, Jeff, so I need to have a whinge about that. And it is it is interesting yeah. to hear they had both territories, both territories represented in his season, obviously Jeff being from the ACT. No Queenslanders on that season, of course, too. It wasn't no. until season three that we had a Queenslander. Was there a West Australian? There was Shona. Sure. Shona was West Australian. Oh, of course. Uh, of was course. was there not another one, or was it just Shona? I think it might have just been Shona. But um, yeah, it was it was it was interesting actually that you kind of have the the two territories from there. But um, yeah, any chance for me to complain about Tasmania again? What what the fact that Tapara obviously that was the only tribal they lost. How is that feeling? Because clearly Tapara basically do not lose another member now until Lance goes home, and that's at the merge. That's the final seven. I mean, that's got a... I mean, you mentioned that you're kind of ready to go home, but, I mean, from a perspective that these guys didn't have to face a torch getting snuffed for a bloody long time after this, like basically more than half the game, I think, uh, after that point. Um. When your time comes, your time comes. You 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 accept it. You either here or you're not. Um, so it didn't necessarily worry me. Um, you asked a question before about the the sign that I I carved out. The motivation behind that was I wanted to say good day to my kids from the show. But if you say, "Hey guys, this is Dad. How you going?" That's not going to air. So you can only air something that's significant, different, unusual. And I thought if I carved something out and held that up, there's my G'day family. I don't know. I don't even know what I said. One of my kids has actually got that sign. The hi family, I love you. You got to keep your own little bits and pieces, and you got to keep the little bits of leather that had signs and things on. You got to keep a fair little, a lot of little trinkets out of the game. Uh, they didn't seem to have a problem with that. Is it true that you own the chess set that uh, David Hart brought on the show? Yes, yes. You had to. Uh, it was given to uh, a charity to auction, and I bought it at an auction. It's actually quite quite a good one. Um, it's a nice wooden case. It's, it's a nice, solid, great chest. I don't think I, I, I told David I had it, but uh, you know, time goes on, and you forget. So I don't think he would realise I, I actually have it. Speaking of luxury items, 
Yours is quite clever, Jeff. You brought toilet paper. <laughs> what happened was, have we got a minute? I, I, we've got more than a minute. We've got two. <laughs> um, what am I doing? You wonder what the hell's he's going on here. He's folding paper, listeners. He's folding paper. Yeah, I'm. I'm well, folding papers. Is he trying to tell us he's a folder, not a scruncher? Well, hey, well, that's mate, a big in, question. In, in the, with clover virus, you, you should be a you should be a uh, folder. <laughs> I'm holding a piece of paper, the size of a toilet paper sheet. They said to me, "Why are you taking a roll of toilet paper as your luxury item?" I said, oh, I, "I just can't stand." having poo around my bottle, I said, so I'm taking toilet paper. <laughs> they said, I won't go very far. So actually, I've got a, a thousand square roll. They said, I still won't go far. So they scrunch it a bit. I oh, know. So I'm going to show them how to wipe their bottom with my toilet paper. <laughs> if you want to use my toilet paper, you have to use my method. So here's my method. You have that one sheet, yep. and you fold it in half. Okay. You hold, fold it in half. And you tear a little hole in it, like the folded bit, so that when you open up the paper, it's got a hole in it. So you go to the toilet, you do your business, and you put your finger through this hole, through the hole, and you wipe yourself with your finger. And when you finish, you just wipe it carefully as you pull the paper off over your finger. I said, your finger's all clean. And you throw the, throw the paper away. <laughs> and the producer, the producer said, oh, that'll work. What's this little bit down here that you're keeping? Oh, I said, that is the most important bit. I said, you fold that one more time, that little piece you've torn out of the bottom, the little circle, and that's what you use to take the poo out of your fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So they said, okay, you can take a roll of toilet paper. Which, which, let's be honest, though, that if you, if they had a film this season right now in the midst of coronavirus, that roll of toilet paper would have been worth more than the uh, half a million dollars at the end of the game. Oh, I would. It would be worth at least that. They would have needed a truck. <laughs> yeah, so they, 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 uh, they go through a little thing before they'll agree to your, to your luxury item. And uh, my luxury item worked. I couldn't handle going to the toilet and not having toilet paper. Any fun stories or experiences um, once you were voted out with, you know, obviously David, Lucinda and, and Tim had already gone at that point, but with any of the other, uh, you know, baby shit yellow guys that got voted out before the merge? Um, yeah, look, uh, you get voted off, you end up in a, we ended up in a, in a, in a unit we ended up in a couple of units at Port Lincoln overlooking the uh, boats coming in. It was quite pleasant, actually. Um, and, yeah, fun things happened. I mean, we, we were still having fun. We we made friends in the house I was in. I was in there with Lucinda, David. Um, Tim? Yeah, and Tim. And, and then in another house was... Um, Deb and well, others, um, and and so we we do stuff. And I mean, I remember one night we went for a walk, and 
we actually witnessed there were six of us walking. We actually witnessed a burglary. Someone was breaking into a house. Wow. We stopped. So what do we do with this? And, yeah, so here's a, a policeman, although it's, we're in South Australia. A policeman and all this bunch of people watching a burglary be committed and we did nothing about it. Wow. We, we can't. We can't. The rules say it's a $5 million fine. And so we made a decision not... Did you, list, so did you call the police, or...? We did, but we waited until we got away a little bit. So, so when we called them, they couldn't join that to us. Because everyone was trying to find out who we were, who was on this game. I mean, each, not each day, but regularly you'd have helicopters in the air. You had boats coming in. Sure, they were abalone fishers and lobster fishermen, but they were coming in, and you could see with their binoculars scanning along the shore. And we'd have to hide down behind all the shrubs. Why did they need us to know who was on the show? I don't know. But anyway, they found that need. Well, we went, I went fishing with uh, Tim, and, and the best fish in the world is King George Whiting. We caught a, a boatload, uh, a shipload um, down there. But um, another time, Tim and I were sitting downtown having fish, King George Whiting, of course. Um, and Tim said, Jeff, Jesus, he said, over your shoulder, mate, he said, there's cameramen. What doing? He said, I don't know. I said, is a camera aimed at us? Uh, yes. Jesus. I said, we, we'll get up and we'll run out of here and we'll run through the shop, fish and chip shop. We can run through the shop. Just be careful of hot oil. There's bound to be hot oil in the back as we're running through. And I said, we'll go down that back lane. I said, we'll see where it goes, and I'll meet you back at the house. He said, yeah, Jeff, he said, we've got the camera on us, and they're coming this way. So I dropped everything. Didn't pay our bill either, I might add. <laughs> um, <laughs> dropped everything, and away we went. And they were chasing us, because they are only chasing two old guys. We weren't going to be hard to catch. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. We're just trained up for weeks and weeks, um, and we're pretty fit. We ran the whole way home. It was only ten kilometres. Wow! So we we ran home, and the cameraman they ran about a kilometre, and they got knocked out. <laughs> Fantastic! So it sounds like a lot of fun because I mean that's that's kind of I guess the one weird positive about you know, getting voted off before the jury is that, you know, you guys are obviously still held until the end of the shoot, but you kind of, I guess, can relax a little bit more. Whereas if you're on the jury, you know, and particularly with your season, they were, you know, sequestered. They kind of just had to live, you know, separately, whereas at least you get to hang out mm. with other people, other other people from your show. Yeah, yeah, we did. I, I, I hung out with a couple of others as well who were on the jury and who we shouldn't have been with. Uh, so I won't talk about who... That's uh, a five million dollar fine. <laughs> I, I'm sure that, that that might have lapsed eighteen years later, Jeff. I mean, you can give us a bit of a hint if you really want to. No, I don't think I want to. <laughs> but it was another time. They were actually an unmarked van, but a camera shining through the window was outside our accommodation, and and so. They've actually, a van, half an hour later, a van came into the garage of the accommodation we were staying in. We hopped in the back of the van that drove away and took us to another block of flats 
because I was so desperate to find out who we were or where, where we were. Wow. It was quite interesting. Sounds like but it. You'd hear people talk about it, talk about it in Port Lincoln. I was down in the shop buying something, and people were talking about it, and they said, oh, are you with the production group? I said, what production group? And they said, the one down here is doing the travel show. And, or, yes, I thought to myself, I'm the producer of it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, did you did you kind of have that fun then when you when the show was airing and, you know, I talked about the whole Canberra side of things, but, I mean, you know, I'm sure you're getting recognised. I mean, you're also on television commercials. You're clearly famous. I mean, how was that experience? <laughs> you, get, you get 24 hours of, 24 hours of fame. And we use that wisely to raise money for charity, to use for a number of issues that Lance, Lance, God love him, uh, prepared and sorted out and organised. Um, so, yeah, we, we, you get that little bit of fun, but you know, still today, still 18 years later, this not often, but you'll get recognised by someone I'll say, good day, Jeff. It's quite, quite interesting. I don't necessarily like it. It's from the you, ad. You it's from they still love their water. That's what it is, right? <laughs> they won't drown in it. How did that happen? How like were you approached when you were cast? I mean, did you know that? I mean, how do you end up on an ad? Um, you have a manager contact you and say, "Do you want to do an ad?" Simple, that yeah. easy. Yeah. Clearly, but Matt, you must have missed that phone call. <laughs> Hey, I didn't even get the luxury of hanging around and, and getting to know the, the cast members after I got voted out. I was, you know, straight, I was straight on a plane back home, so I didn't, let alone getting, getting TV ad deals. Uh, can I get off subject not. for a minute? Of course. Matt, do a submission about why you should go on Survivor again. <laughs> well, I, th- I, I think everyone, everyone deserves a second chance. <laughs> argue, argue that does does the first person off always relate to the first person off? Might no. there be well, well, argue argument... that you should get another chance? Yeah, and and, my... and, and, and and the viewers will usually go along with a person who hasn't won. Have a look, look at this survivor where winners are losers. Everyone who won didn't get voted anywhere. Well, my argument would be for a, for a first player voted out to return would be one that although they got to play the game, the audience didn't get to see what they really have to offer. So that would be my number one argument would be um, the audience hasn't truly seen what they can do in the game of Survivor. My second argument would be that the game of Survivor will change every time it's played. So someone that gets voted out first could end up making merge. They could even go on to win the game. Someone who wins can get voted out first, which we've seen multiple times now in Survivor history. So um, that would be my argument, that the audience would get to see a player that, yes, they have played, but they would actually get to hopefully get a chance to see what they really can do in the game of Survivor. I reckon you can convince them pretty easily. Help him out. Help him out, Jeff. You contact Channel 10, get him back on. (laughs) They're looking for new ways new methods, new new directions, uh, gimmicks, uh, what's good TV. Um, 
So I, yeah, anyway, I just thought I'd throw it in there. That, because I often wonder why people don't go back on that say we'll vote it off first. I think someone had it somewhere. Yeah, Francesca in America, in got, America got voted out first again. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, it, uh, it's, and, it's and, fun. and maybe, and, and don't, if we can avoid it, don't tell the other contestants. Yeah, oh, they know now. Matt, Matt's no one they remembers know, Matt. Yeah. No, one, no one cares about it. We've got a listener. He'll tell you how much he doesn't care about Matt. If you said your name was Bill Kamani and you're the and, and you're the milkman, Jeff, I'd have to go. I'd have to get a toupee. I'd have to completely change my look. Get a toupee with some frosting on the top of the tips. Just and... don't give him a radar gun. Everyone would recognise him straight away. I bought radar into the ACT. I was officer in charge of traffic, and that was my job. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Can you get Matt a job yeah. in the ACT? <laughs> If he wants one, it'd be pretty easy, actually. <laughs> there you go, Matt. See, change. Go to Canberra. <laughs> He's already already half-trained the way they want him, so it's, it's a win-win. Jeff, just switching gears, getting back into the actual game, it was 30 days uh, into the game until another Tapara member left, which was Lance. Were you surprised that Lance ended up being the second player voted out of your tribe? No. No. Because Lance was a bit naive. I, I'm not saying that as an anti-Lance comment, but he was a bit naive. Uh, I, I always thought Lance and Jane would be kind of friends or an item or something on the show. And if Rob was smart, he would get rid of Lance because Lance was competition. Uh, and... And also, he, he was on the wrong numbers side of the game. So Lance, that is, was on the wrong numbers side. So no, I wasn't surprised. It was interesting, because they didn't tell us who was voted off. We were in, uh, we were in lockdown. But uh, a car, Prue said to me, Prue was uh, an, an executive with the channel, she, she said, asked me to put something in the car. When I put it in the car, there was a bag. So I just turned the bag over and had a look, and I saw Lance. So I thought, oh, okay. Lance was voted off next. Because <laughs> <laughs> were you sitting there after when you were voted out? And, again, it was just Kadena member, Kadena member, Kadena member. I mean, were you hoping that you would get a Tapara member, or were you just happy to get to know these baby shit yellow guys? Um. I didn't really care by then. By then, I was ready to go. Uh, I was ready to leave. Um, it, it was hard, cold, miserable. It was not like we were in the best location in the world. There was nothing whatsoever nice about it. And I just wanted out of there. I wanted out of there and go home. Were you, were you surprised? Are you, I mean, Matt obviously just asked about Lance, but the way the game played out, were you, were you surprised with anything that happened with the remainder of Tapara at the end of the game, Rob winning, Shona at the end, the Katie situation? Did any of that surprise you? Well, firstly, it doesn't happen that it doesn't happen that you have so many wins in a row. So that surprised me. Um, I was, uh, you know, surprised, lots of things surprised me. Um, and, and and Katie, to me, the best one of the best moments on TV was Katie saying, 
I have only ever sobbed. <laughs> There's nothing I can do now. Because there wasn't. The numbers are against her. And then she stops and she pauses. And she says, yes, there is. I could kill him. Yep. Greatest confessional in Survivor history. That is hands down now, the greatest confessional that, ever. When I saw that on TV, I don't know where it was or how it was, but I was sitting beside Caddy. Something I would assume it was probably at the Crown Casino or something. It doesn't matter where. And I looked across to Katie and her face was serious. And I said, Katie, you meant that, didn't you? And she didn't say a word. <laughs> Just looked ahead. Holy fuck, like this. I think she might have been. <laughs> <laughs> Which one do you think she would have killed? Who, who do you think? Uh, was it Shona, Joel, or, uh, or Rob? No, 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 no. It, it, it was Rob. Can you imagine the, the confidence in hindsight? The confidence they or the, they had in Joel doing what he said he'd do. Mm. It yeah, was that shocks me. Yeah, I mean we're 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 basically a, a week away or two weeks away from covering that episode, and um, yeah, it's 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 crazy because that really shifted the game. I mean that with Joel basically saying that, and then he did it. Like I mean, it's mm. it's, it's crazy to think too that he even did it. I mean, you would not do that in mm. Modern Survivor, no way. That was another one of his regrets in hindsight, apparently. He wishes he hadn't done that. It's, yeah, it's um, it's very, very interesting sort of how that all played out and, and the end of everything there too. But, um, I mean, you mentioned you sort of get recognised every now and then. I mean, that does that surprise you that 18 years later you still every now and then somebody be like, hey, you're on Survivor? Oh, definitely. Definitely. It, it's... Uh, the, the amount of recognition is minimal, obviously. But having said that, I can't imagine for a minute how someone like uh, uh, Jimmy Barnes would go. He couldn't be able to go anywhere without people. Oh, hey, Jim, how you going? Must be incredible. It's taken 21 it episodes, Matt. Finally, Jimmy Barnes being mentioned. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a bit off-putting. People saying good day, Jeff. Jeff, you uh, mentioned earlier in the podcast that um, the, the the day of the first episode, you you ran into your boss and you made that comment about uh, that tonight you'd be having some, you know, <laughs> moving some logs. What do you what did you do for the first episode? Did you get your family around to watch it? Your, your kids? Um, we okay. We all watched it together. Um, and, and mostly we watched the episodes together. Um, one of the kids said to me, Dad, I didn't know you can be such a prick. We <laughs> 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 um, yeah, mostly we watched, watched together. Because uh, <laughs> we know that uh, yeah, when you open a packet of Lay's chips in 2002, you, your photo would have been, been in those chip packets. Uh, yeah, you know you're important when you're in chip packets, mate. <laughs> and, and and as a as a fellow police officer, I know that plenty of police like eating packets of chips. So I could just imagine there would have been people up in the communication room eating lays. Oh, I've got you know yelling out, "I've got Jeff's card! I've got Jeff's card!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's a. Uh... 
as I did my job as a policeman, I'd regularly, I'd regularly be pointing out, oh, you're that prick on Survivor. Well, yes, I am, and here's the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Matt does it constantly to this day. Well, if, if, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, Jeff, because that's one advantage for me. If, if I could take one positive out of being voted out first myself was the fact I didn't get recognised. So I'm still a uniformed police officer out on the road every day, and I've, I think I've only been recognised once or twice in uniform. So in, obviously if I'd lasted a lot longer, that recognition would have become bigger. So the fact I didn't win, it did become... a a slight advantage for me in my personal life that I yeah. I wasn't recognised because, as you know, Jeff, when you're in uniform, a police officer, they're looking for any excuse to have a go at you. So if they recognise you from a reality TV show, it, it can get a little bit awkward where, for me, it Correct. doesn't happen. You might as well. I would rather come 15th than, than 2nd. Hmm. Um, it, it's it's the recognition. I reckon I've been recognised maybe... Five thousand times. Wow. Why? Yes, the I'd add for water, for fish, for fruit markets, for cars. Um, the my high-profile union involvement. Um, I already had a bit of a profile for having a pretty rare and unusual medal for gallantry. Um, so that 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 draws the crabs a little bit in itself. Um, but it, it's it's a uh, yeah, I'd rather I'm a, I I like to win, or not even be in the top ten because it's you don't want the recognition, you don't want it, and so yeah, that 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 was a, a little bit of a burn because it, what that did it refreshed a lot of stuff, and when I was the national secretary of the police union, I used to do a lot of TV interviews. I was on TV a lot. Um, so, so that was that put them all together, and yeah, I got a lot of recognition. But then again, my wife owns the shop, or owns. She sold it recently, um, and we were in South Africa. Gee, one thing leads to another here. One interesting segue that is, that leads to Rob. Okay, go back a bit. We're in South Africa. And we're sitting on an aeroplane, and a lady stopped in the aisle as she's walking down. She said, okay, channels in your shop last week <laughs> in South Africa. Wow. Um, so you, you don't necessarily have to be on a show to be recognised. What I was going to say was, you won't believe that I was in South Africa a week after Rob was killed there. Wow. Well, do you recall when you found out that Rob had passed away? Yes, when I was, I think it was when I was in South Africa. It was, yeah. I was, I was told by a guy who said, oh, I know you're on Survivor. Um, someone who won it has died in a car accident. Yeah, because, I mean, Rob was still a, a young guy there with a young family. It's not something you expect to hear um, that, you know, you wake up one day and you hear, hey, Rob's passed away in a car accident. It would... Uh, it's just something that you, you just don't think is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, Rob said he was going to give the money. He was going to use the money, if he won, to bring his mother out from uh, Zimbabwe. 
you don't need. Uh, he said the price was eight hundred thousand that he needed, which is bullshit. Uh, it cost about fifteen thousand. It's all it had cost to bring your mother out from South Africa. Um, and I think he got it caught out by by his lie. I think people started to twig that, that was the case. It was interesting. And after that final episode, we had an afters party. Um, pretty tame. There was a few party people among it, because there's a lot of young people in my group, but I certainly wasn't one. All I wanted to do was go up and go to bed. <laughs> and I was disappointed, disappointed that Rob won. I'm not Shannon. But when I was up there, Rob tried to explain away why he voted me off and why he got everyone to vote me off. And he said it was because I would never, ever enter into an alliance with him, so he had to do all he could to get rid of me, because uh, I, I could only ever be a threat to him, never helpful. Uh, well, so that was his reason, which was interesting. Well, fair, fair enough comment, I guess. And it is hard, because when you know that one person in particular is the reason for you going home, it is hard, because things could have been totally different. If if you had managed to, to maybe you know change Rob's mind or or sway Joel and a few others to, to vote for Jane, you, you know, it could have been you lasting 30 days and then they mm. may have not voted you out on day 30. They might have thought, well, Jeff's an older bloke. Um, and in the end, it could have been you and Shona sitting there and you could have been winning the money. So it is hard when you know that there's one player in particular um, that was really gunning for you and, and they're the reason, one, the main reason for you going home and, and not winning the ultimate prize. There's a lot of people out there who have got closer but didn't make it than me. Mm. And and I, I, I remember that. I keep in mind that, sure, I I bought a ticket in the, in the lottery and there were only 16 tickets for half a million dollars. And, uh, yeah, so I had my go. Most people don't get that chance at one in 16 half a million dollars. Okay. So I think about that rather than... In fact, I haven't been pissed off, to be honest. Uh, yes, I have low, had a low opinion of Rob. Um, and my view, there's some people on, on the show that like me and I don't like them. Uh, and, and vice versa, there's some people that, that I do like and they don't like me. And that's fine. You mentioned you mentioned about that you obviously keep up with the show. You, you're still a fan. You've got plenty of tapes behind you with episodes on it. What, what's your view on current Australian Survivor, and also if you remember the the short-lived Channel Seven celebrity version as well? I mean, what was your take on kind of those versions of the show? Look, in every Survivor, there's some really good moments. Um. I, th- I think the producer makes or breaks it. You could say the editor, the editor does what the producer says. Um, there's, there, are, there are good moments in all of them. Um, I, I think they could make it different. I think it's time to refresh it. Uh, how would I refresh it? I'm, I'm just not sure at the moment. Um, but I do, I do think they hit it on the head with the celebrity versions. I'd probably have an international survivor um, and I'd probably have about 25 people on it uh, and, I, and I'd 
I wouldn't have more than two people from any country or anywhere. Uh, and I think that could be quite exciting. It's been a concept that a lot of people have been bringing up, and I think um, you know it would be very interesting. But an- another question that we like to ask generally to each of our guests too, Jeff, is your season generally isn't looked back on favourably. I mean, the Channel 10 version all but ignores your season. Clearly, that's why we didn't have people like Katie or Craig being brought back for All-Stars. But, I mean, what, what's your viewpoint on that? What, what Do you think your season deserves to get some more credit and, and love, given you were the first 16 Australians to ever play Survivor on our TV screens? Look, yes. Yes and no. Perhaps it, it does deserve more credit. It was Survivor, the first Survivor. It was interesting it followed the concept. Um, yeah, it deserved a little bit more recognition. Um, but then I, I think the, the boo-boo that happened on the first first episode, that was bad. I think that hurt, hurt that whole series uh, going forward. Um, so that was a problem. I, th- I think they didn't cast the right people. Would I put myself on it? It was a question you would probably ask. So let me say, no, I probably wouldn't. Um, I, I wouldn't put Jane on it. Um, I wouldn't put Sophie on it. I wouldn't put Naomi on it. I wouldn't put Sylvan on it. Uh, so, uh, who lost a quarter of the cast then. They're, they're gone. There's only 12 of you now. I'd, yeah, I'd get rid of all bar about four. So I, I kind of I was I, I was kind of thinking there that like I mean we should really just be reading through each of the cast members here, Matt, and just getting Jeff to go dickhead, dickhead, not dickhead, dickhead. <laughs> I, I would say, love, ditto, ditto. <laughs> I would love to see. I, I would, Jeff. I would love to see Shona, you know, Katie, um, Craig. I would love to see them go back and play. Yeah. Look, I think you've hit it on the head. Uh, even even putting aside Shona's age now, um, I, I still would put her on a, on a today's Survivor. Even though, say Katie, I put a Katie on a today's Survivor, she would take the older person's role and kick ass. Um, yeah, Craig on, on, on that baby shit yellow team. Um, is, is there anyone other than Craig? Um, Probably not. Matt's man, well, David. Craig, he, he, <laughs> Craig's, Craig's 45 now, and he, he's in better shape now than he was when he was 27. So he could easily go back um, and do and do an All-Stars. Naomi, yeah. still a PE teacher, still in great shape, um, could easily go back and do an All-Stars. So there's definitely players. And I agree, I completely agree with you, Jeff, that although Shona's almost 70, or she could be 70 now, I got no doubt that that lady is one of the most extraordinary people on yeah. this planet, and I got mm. no doubt, even at her age now, she could go out and give one hundred percent and play Survivor. She'd be good TV. Yep, she'd be good TV. Uh, look, I, I put her there. I have a lot of respect for her. Um, a lot of respect. Um, and having played the game with her, I, I feel kind of privileged that I got to meet her. Something I mentioned at the start of the podcast when I introduced you, Jeff, and, and you touched on as on as well, you, you did um, win the British Empire Medal for Gallantry um, at a very young age. Um, 
I'd love to know, and, and this especially for me as a, as a police officer, how did that affect you in your career as a police officer and, and how did you come to get that medal? So if you don't, I'll, I'll just so you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I actually have hundreds of them. So oh, wow. This particular bunch. Oh. Um, oh, yep, so you got the national, yep. Um, that's the first medal I ever got. Just, uh, just lift it up a little bit, Jeff, to so. say... So there's, yep. there's just for people at home. There's a there's a he's holding up a whole bunch of medals here, which uh, look all incredible. Uh, I mean, I I Matt, you're reading. You know what these are, I think. Yeah, well, I, that middle one there, Jeff. I'm about three years away from getting that one. Uh, ben, if you can take a screenshot, if you can just lift it up a little bit, Jeff, and we'll take a screenshot because that's um, fantastic. There we go. I'll, I'll take a screenshot so our listeners at home we can uh, share that as well as our other usual screenshot that we're sharing, so people can uh, look at this picture and uh, understand what we're talking about here with these medals. So, Jeff, if you can, can you from the red one, can you talk us through which what those medals are? Well, the red one is the British Empire Medal for Gallantry, and the crossed oak leaves the Queen put on in 1973 to indicate it's for gallantry rather than services to the Crown. The next one is the Police Overseas Service Medal for service in the uh, United Nations operations. The next one is uh, that's this one with a bit of yellow on. I'm not actually sure what it is. I've only had it a little while. It's for uh, ethical, distinguished ethical service to policing. Uh, then there's the British Empire Medal, that, uh, sorry, the, 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 the National Medal, that's this one here with the two bars on. Yep. You, get, you get the medal and then if you get it a second time you get a bar and if you get it another time you get another bar. So I've got it three times. Wow. Uh, and then these last three here, uh, that, these blue ones, the blue one with the number two on is the United Nations Medal for Service in Cyprus. Uh, and the two indicates I've been to Cyprus twice. I've spent uh, a year and a half in Cyprus. Uh, the next one along is uh, overseas, uh, the United Nations Overseas Special Service Medal. And the last one is East Timor. And then... Um, this other bunch of medals... These medals you actually wear on the other side. Uh, this one is I was in charge of policing during the bushfires in Canberra. That's and I the got orange that one. one. Yeah, the orange one. This one here is for 25 years service to policing in the ACT. And this one here is 25 years of um, service to the ACT government. Wow. And and then it's got little trinket things on it, little these things. That's because I've spent an extra ten years there, and so you just get all those other little trinkets add up. But the British Empire Medal, very quickly, um, down came the rain. Easy <laughs> wincy spiders. <laughs> down came the rain, and washed. 60-odd people away, their cars anyway. And I was in a police van, went out there, there they all were cleaning the light poles, rails, cars floating upside down, 
the only light was what we had in my police van and uh, we we uh, uh, set up the light I swam out I wasn't a bad swimmer then I swam out grab someone swim back in with them swim out grab someone swim back in again uh, we kept doing that till we pulled out all bar seven seven drowned uh, we didn't get to seven um, and and then uh, it was quite funny I actually got pulled out myself by an ambulance officer and a, and a young young criminal um, wow. and and that uh, um, the young criminal I locked up for burglary two or three years later wow. and he said yeah you bastard, he said, I should have let you drown. <laughs> wow. I said, mate, if it wasn't a victim, I said, I'd let you go. Mm. I said, there's a victim. I said, I, I can't give you preference over a victim because yeah. it suits, because you saved my life. Now, that was the 1971 flood, was it? Yes, it was. Yeah. How old were you at the time? About 21 or 22. I was the... Uh, youngest person you'll see the British Empire Medal for gallantry uh, and I think I think on the uh, now there's not many people alive who have still got it because they stopped issuing it in 1973 and and whilst they're starting to issue it again now I don't know whether they'll issue it to Australians or not um, but they've decided to start issuing it again so yeah, it's been a burden carrying it. You asked the question before. Um, it's actually a burden carrying it, having a medal for gallantry. Uh, it does create interest. It does. It, it stands out. It's it's a the ribbon is a bright, a bright. It's called it's called uh, rose pink, um, and and it's it's it stands out as a yellow. It's a bright. Well, rose pink, and the metal is silver on the bottom, so it does stand out uh, and catches a lot of attention. Uh, but also having such a big blob of metals catches a lot of attention anyway. Um, Did anyone else win that medal during those floods? No, they didn't. But um, four police received the Queen's commendation for brave conduct. Um, I got the British Empire Medal. Um, I was looking at the. Uh, I'm looking at it's behind my camera actually, so I'm looking up at it. There's a telegram from the Prime Minister congratulating me on the win. There's a telegram from the Governor General. There's a letter from the Queen. Got a whole wall full of trinkets, bits and pieces come with them. Um, your life, your life definitely intrigues me, Jeff, because. You know, you were a long-serving police officer. We've just talked about all the medals you've won. Uh, you've got to play the game of Survivor. You're one of the very first 16 to ever play the game, which is a, a fantastic achievement. You were the oldest at the time. Um, but even at forced retirement, you, from chatting to you on the phone, you, you, you weren't ready to retire. You still wanted to work, and you ended up going into immigration. Yeah, <laughs> I did. And, and look, I left the police force... And it was boring. I needed to do something. 
I needed to um, have a reason for getting out of bed in the morning. So I went to immigration where I initially managed spouse visas. So if you wanted a visa for your wife, you would need to come and see me and I'd issue a spouse visa if appropriate. Then I went to uh, process people on Christmas Island in Darwin, that top part of Australia. Um, so I did that. I also was a volunteer fireman uh, just for something to do, so I did a little bit of that. And I'm a guide at the uh, National Botanic Gardens in Canberra. And I also do walks for uh, blind people. You sound very busy, Jeff. Do you ever have a day off? Yeah, occasionally when, the, when I'm not on lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> this is going crazy right now with this lockdown. <laughs> ben, this yeah. is why I couldn't find him on social media. He doesn't have time for social no. media. That's why, he's, that's why he's the hardest player in the history of Survivor to ever track down. <laughs> yeah, so, look, look, Survivor... Survivor is more than a game. Yes, it is a game. But for a lot of people, it's a way of life. It's fun, it's entertainment, it's interesting. Um, and, and even at age 71, nearly 72, I still love Survivor. That's good to hear. Don't miss an episode. Don't miss an episode. Which, it's, I mean, it's it really has been a pleasure to chat with you Jeff, because, you know, all jokes aside and everything that we talked about with Matt trying to find you, like, we, we were kind of, when we did your episode, We I think we mentioned at the time that, look, you know, we, 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 we will not give up. We want to chat to him still because, you know, it's it's important to us with the project that we're doing here to, to speak to each of you because you all have your individual stories to tell about this game. It, it doesn't matter whether you were Lucinda and voted out first or, you know, Rob the winner of the game, you've all got stories to tell which we're all going to want to hear because you've all got a unique perspective on that season. Yes. Um, what was the question? There was no question. That was just me basically saying it's been great to have you on here. I, I don't even know if... I don't even know half the time what I'm asking on this show. Don't worry. You can just make something up. <laughs> He lost me too, Jeff. It's all right. He lost me too. It's, 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 it's a general thing. You know, we're nearly two hours in and this is the first time I've, I've lost you. So that's actually pretty good, usually, on my standards. <laughs> Look, it's... Uh, until recently, um, I've been a hard person to find deliberately. I retired from the police force, which meant I didn't have that security backup anymore. I'll, that'll come clear what I meant in a second. Um, when I was in the police force in my last two months I got a phone call off someone who said um, you won't live to see Christmas I got a phone call off a lady who said I know who did a murder in Manly 20 years ago I got a phone call off a guy who said I know who did a murder in Penrith last year and if you want it, why me I've got to say I don't know but I'm assuming it's because I'm a survivor and and I had a profile and I did get to ask one person why me why me that she brought this information to 
and uh, she know I just I've seen you on TV. She said, I just thought I could trust you. Um, so um, it, I've, I've had to cover my ass when I drive anywhere. I'm always looking in the rear vision mirror just in case. Uh, it's interesting when a guy in Sydney said there was a bomb in Sydney Airport and they closed the airport maybe I don't know, a fair while now, 10 years ago. It was interesting that it was me that they rang to say, hey, there's a bomb in the airport and so we have to evacuate the airport. Um, so again, how do you know me? Probably through a survivor. Um, and, and obviously they have enough confidence or trust in me to, to, to tell me. Um, and and because you know, they didn't need to tell me, you could ring up the Canberra Times or whoever you like, your local member for for all I know. So so I I think as I look back, Survivor, I think it's made a difference in that I had a, I had fun. I played games and lost, um, but played it. Um, it's made a difference to my life. It, it's my children are happy, and in hindsight, I'm glad I did it because they're quite proud of the fact that Dad had a go at it and did it. I also, when I watch it on TV, I get more value out of it than most people because I know what's happening. I know where the cameras are hidden. I know what games they're playing. So, put it all together, and it's been it has been a life changing, life changing exercise. It's it's I've it's changed my life incredibly, uh, for the good and, and maybe not so good. Uh, yeah, my true colours have come out. My arrogance has come out. Um, but I have learned the sledging works. <laughs> <laughs> and the baby shit yellow people after all these years are still dickheads. They are. I've watched some episodes to see what my tribe has said about my sledging. It was quite interesting, actually. I think I'm supposed to care that, that <laughs> they don't agree with me. I'm not sure. We're certainly glad that uh, you ended up saying yes to going on the show. I, I know you said earlier that uh, you had to, to think whether you really wanted to do it, and you, you ended up, you did, and uh, I think Australian Survivor were better for it. I think you're a, such an interesting character. I think you... Uh, your four episodes that you got, um, you, you made it fun. The sledging was fun. The just the way you were on the show, and I think you're definitely um, a contestant that will always be remembered. Thank you very much. And an absolute pleasure to to speak to Jeff. There clearly, uh, you know, a little bit out of order from the way we've generally been doing this. But as we've constantly said in this project, that there might not uh, be. Well, there might be occasions, I should say, where we're not going to get everybody at the time to put them in there. For the most part, it's been good, but, uh, you know, good to get Jeff uh, on the line here as well. So, Matt, you're a bloodhound, mate. As I said at the beginning, you know, you, you are you are the Tom Cruise of this podcast. This is one interview that I, I definitely wanted ASA to have. And, uh, you know, Jeff is a champion. He, he came on. Um, I was able to track him down last week. And it, it's great to hear his side of what happened and what was going on um, in Tapara, um, especially around, you know, Rob and and Shona and, and Katie and all that. It, it's great to finally, you know, this is the first Tapara member we've interviewed. So 
we've done so much focus on Kadena, but now we're going to be learning what was actually going on around that Tapara tribe. And, um, you know, just to hear about his life in general. The, the guy, he's done extraordinary things in his life. And uh, to be able to get that insight as well, especially as a police officer myself, was was something that I was really looking forward to. And, uh, yeah, Jeff didn't let us, let us down. And it's uh, a testament to the man too. I mean, he said he's nearly 72 years of age and to, to be able to kind of, you know, chat about this and and still obviously have a lot of fond memories from it too. I mean, he's achieved a lot in his life, but uh, to be able to chat about this, it certainly is great. And, and definitely some unique uh, insights into some of the individuals uh, on this game. I, uh, I mean... If I had to say, and this is just from an outsider's perspective, uh, of, of somebody on this show that maybe would never have a negative word said against him, Rob would have been one of those people. And, uh, I mean, look, it's a unique insight. Again, it's it's something that I think kind of to, to have certain sides of stories told that are, that are different from, I guess, the norm is, is always is a unique perspective. And, you know, it was definitely interesting to hear those, those comments. And that's the beauty of Survivor, Ben, that... You put 16 people together on an island, not everyone's going to get along with each other. Everyone's got different life experiences. They see the world differently. They like different qualities about people. So that's the beauty about this game. And and that was evident with, obviously, the relationship between Jeff and Rob, that for whatever reason, there was just that that something about it that they obviously didn't see eye to eye. And uh, that's what I love about Survivor. Exactly, exactly right. And uh, once again to Jeff, thank you very much for, for joining us. Next week, uh, back into the recaps, we're into episode 10, and it's it's Tapara now. We're at to the final seven, and uh, we're going to get to an episode where poor old Lancelot is about to uh, get a scalibur and uh, out of the game in what is the very first Australian Survivor blindside in history. It's, it's a unique episode. It's interesting. It's kind of it, – it doesn't have – all the things that you're expecting from this finally coming there, but the seeds of Craig are there. There's uh, some visually stunning moments in this episode, not just because there's some bikinis and bodies out on the beach, but uh, it's a unique one. And of course, Matthew Dyson, we are finally up to this point, the worst challenge in Australian and American and South African and New Zealand and any version in the history ever of Survivor will be on next week's episode. I'm looking forward to talking to you about that, Ben. Do I agree? I don't know. You don't know. You're going to have to wait and see. The viewers are going to, the listeners are going to have to wait and see. But we are down to the nitty gritty now, aren't we? There's a a few episodes left and uh, things are starting to really heat up. It definitely is, and you can heat up as well by liking us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram and follow us on Twitter as well. Remember, if we get to half a thousand on any of those pages, Matthew Dyson will swing on a vine. If we get to 1,000, Matthew Dyson will show us his audition tape. Very excited for those. And subscribe to our podcast and all the good podcasts and bad podcast servers out there. We, of course, are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. And leave us a review while you're there as well. We definitely would love to hear from you to hear what you are thinking about the show. Until next week, my name is Ben Waterworth, otherwise known as a dickhead. My name's Matt Dyson, and I need some water, is it? I need to go to Organic Harvest.
where can I get some decent water around here? That's more like it. The quality organic produce coming to Organics Harvest. Open Tuesday to Sunday at the Belconnen Fresh Food Market. G'day Jeff. What's for dinner?